Good morning. What a great day it is. 22 years ago, I came to faith in this church. I was a Christianized pagan. Showed up in church, didn't understand what it meant to follow in the footsteps of God. 20 years ago, I left my career behind, and my wife and I and our kids ventured out with... <clears throat> Sorry. It's been an emotional morning just being here. Um, venturing out with... Uh, Slavic Gospel Association. That was 20 years ago. So I'm going to give you this simple introduction. God is glorious. He is wondrous, and he's able to do far more abundantly and greatly than you can ever imagine. Here we are connected by the internet to my beloved Rivers, River's Edge family, and there are people likely tying in from all over the world. And we gather together with one voice and one heart and one hope, and that's in Jesus Christ. And in Christ, we know that whatever happens today, our future is secure. Our hope is secure, and one day we will walk in the light of the glory of God and yell together with one voice, glory, hallelujah. And we have this opportunity because our Savior reigns. And that is why we gather together this morning with that hope. And so the, this morning, I want to briefly walk you through a few things. First, I want to show you, oh, the technology is working. <laughs> what an amazing day when we can download an app onto a phone and control this through the Wi-Fi in the back. It's, it's cool, Kevin. <laughs> These are my grandkids. And then on the right, the, the one girl staying, uh, standing up, that's Haven, my niece, uh, we have nine grandkids, and you can see it's boy overload, and it is a sweet and super blessing. This is my church. It's our church in Pecatonica. It's a, a, a small church, but full of, of, of passion for the Lord and in unity. And what a wonderful church it is, and good morning to all of you guys. And then finally, I want to talk about the ministry that we have in the former Soviet Union. Uh, you can see there uh, in that black and white inset photo, you can see that people would gather around to just hear one page of scripture. They would give their life to hear Isaiah 55 read. And now, by God's grace, they have God's word and they have God's truth and it's coming to them and they can freely worship and because of what Bear Valley Church is doing, you are supporting a seminary that is training young men to preach and teach God's word. You're supporting two pastors, one in uh, Tajikistan on the border of Afghanistan. His name is Akbar, and he is passionately uh, ministering to those that are struggling with drug addictions and those that are struggling with life and seeing them turn around to a vibrant uh, a loving relationship with, with Christ. And then you're also supporting a missionary pastor in far east Russia that's, that is 17 time zones away from you. And he is in that area. And he is lovingly preaching and teaching the, God, uh, the word of God to a younger generation. He is like the Pied Piper, much like Kevin, uh, leading young people to faith. But I want to ask you this question, if I may. We have, a, we have a parade in Pecatonica that is probably loaded more with tractors uh, than anything else and, and veterans. But if your life 
was afloat in the parade, what would it be? Would it be music and worship and it would be a, a trailer pulling aside where you were glorifying God? Would it be a, a gaggle of clowns? Would it be clowns with sad faces and scary faces? Would it be clowns with happy faces? Would it be a, a, a car carrying people full of memories of days gone by? What would be the story of your life? What you may not recognize is what is on the inside of your heart is what you display on the outside. So if we were to have a conversation with people around us, how would they evaluate you? Are you showy? Are you flashy? Are you one of those people that talks about your faith or do you talk more about your problems and your issues and the politics and the difficulty of this world? King David when he was going through a hard time in Psalm 27, verses 3 to 4, said this, Though an army encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. The war arise against me, yet I will be confident. One thing I have asked of the Lord that I will seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire of his temple. David's joy in the middle of hard times was an inside-out expression of his love of the Lord, and it was obvious who was his God. And so we ask ourselves, as faithful believers, or people claiming to be faithful believers, <clears throat> what does the world see in our lives? So now, if you have your Bible, circle back to Isaiah 55 in the first few verses. Come, everyone who thirsts, Come to the waters, he who has no money, come buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money or without price. Why do you spend your money, think your time, your energy, your efforts, your thought, your scrolling and, and texting? Why do you spend it on money that does not, that, which is not bread and your labor for that which does not satisfy? Listen diligently to me and eat what is good and delight yourself in rich food. God is pointing to him as the redeemer, as the savior, as the hope of the world. And so the question that is coming from God through Isaiah, why are you spending your time on temporal things that are passing away when I offer you the bread of life, when I offer you the hope of the gospel? You can't buy it. God in his sovereign grace gives us hope in Jesus Christ and he gives it to us and he secures our hope in, in, in heaven. You can check that out in 1 Peter chapter 1 and you can, you can know that your future is secure. So why in the world do we think we need more than that? And so God is saying, buy from this, drink from the wellspring of my love. Drink deeply. And what is he telling us to drink of? Hold your finger in Isaiah 55 and go back to Isaiah 53. Here's our hope. Isaiah 53, verses 4 and 5. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds we are healed. Jesus Christ is Savior and Messiah, and by his wounds we are healed. Glory, hallelujah. We don't have to do anything else but follow on in faith in the gift of grace that has been given us in Christ Jesus. 
Therefore, in back in Isaiah 55, when we look at verses 3 to 5, what do we see? God says, incline your ear. Come to me here that your soul may live. And I will make with you an everlasting covenant. A covenant that's beyond your capacity to do right and perfect. It's a covenant that God establishes with us through his grace. He goes on and says, I will make an everlasting covenant, my steadfast, sure love for David. Behold, I will make him a witness to the peoples, a leader and commander for all the peoples. Behold, you shall call him a nation. By the way, it's, that's us Gentiles. That you do not know and a nation that did not know you shall run to you because of your Lord, your God and the Holy One of Israel. For he has glorified you. This is good news. This is the news of God's word. It means it's not just about sitting in pews and worshiping and wondering how this is going to turn out and how the politics in our country is going to work out and, and, and worrying about the coronavirus or anything else. This is good news. This says no matter how bad it gets, the best is yet to come. I want to show you a picture about a people that go from darkness to joy. This is in the far east of Russia. Very often uh, when you think of Russia and you think of a great cold, you think of Siberia, but there's an area east of Siberia, which is known as far east Russia, which is the size of the landmass of the continental United States. There are uh, about six and a half million people, but only 3,500 believers. There are hundreds and hundreds of, of of villages that have never seen the gospel. And this was me three weeks ago. Let's see how the technology stays on. That is a frozen river. And they make roads across the river. They got these giant Zamboni machines that, that go down the river and smooth it out so that you can get around because the tundra is frozen. And it was minus 54 when I was there. And yes, you can see that that was cold. In fact, it is so cold at 40 below that you, you see what they call ice fog. At 40 below, all the moisture in the air freezes and crystallizes. And it's up in an area where they, they have a pagan worship. I call it the Lucky Charms faith. faith. They, they worship the sun, the moon, and the stars. And, and they've done that, and they carve out these idols. And these idols have no mouth and no arms. And with half the wood, they carve out an idol. With the other half of the wood, they warm themselves by the fire. And so we see played out what we see in Isaiah 44. And then there you see a little chapel. In Russian, it says, God is love. Bog jest lubov. This is God is love, and inside there at 54 degrees below zero is this small congregation that gathered together in a circle around a clay stove, and, and we worshiped, and, and, and I preached, and then the pastor preached, and we were there for three hours, and it was cold inside. They were poor. They lived off the land, but they rejoiced because their Savior reigns. And here... Men are graduating from training that began seven years ago. I've been up there teaching. Other pastors have been teaching. And the first Sokka believer came to faith in, there we go, 1991. These guys are trained. They're preaching the word. They're going out into unreached villages. And they're declaring the gospel among the nations. Here, Pastor Benjamin is out on the street 
when you were having Christmas, it was about Christmas Day is gathering together, people opening their presents, and they're talking about being together with family. This is Christmas Day, their Christmas on January 7th. I got my coat at the end of the Christmas Eve or Christmas Day service, thinking everyone was going to go home. I was just going to uh, spend some quiet time by myself. They said, what are you doing? We're heading out. This is Christmas Day. We want to glorify God. They're, it's illegal to proclaim the gospel on the streets, but they don't care. They, they are proceeding in the joy of the Lord, and they were walking through the street, and then this, they were handing out, this was at a mall, they're handing out these Emmanuel's Child stars, and these kids that have nothing come up, and they move the gifts aside, and they have their Bible. They just want to hear about the one American family that's going to pray for them, because they can't believe, and they stand in a long line, all asking for someone to pronounce the name of the person that was on their star. And these kids are excited to get a, a bottle of shampoo and a bag of nuts and, and uh, little things like that. But even with all that, all they cared about is there's someone who loves them. And this is the same message that we get from heaven. There's someone who loves us. And this is the hope that we have. Sorry, I'm balancing tech. The, the laugh at me at River's Edge because I'm always doing that. This is the joy that flows from our salvation in Christ. This is the joy that we have in Jesus. So again, if you have your Bible with you, let's look at specifically at Isaiah 55, verse 12. And just that first line, for you shall go out in joy. This is a, a beautiful picture of deliverance. Have you guys had a hard year? Maybe a hard two years? Has life really consumed you with anxiety and fear and suffering and, and a little bit of concern about what the future holds? This picture for you shall go out in joy is a picture of the gospel. It's a picture of an embattled people with the enemy all around. And then a runner comes over the horizon. And the runner says, good news, the king is coming, it's okay. You are delivered, you're going to be okay. And it was this screaming and yelling that it's all right. The suffering will not last forever, there is hope. You remember when Moses and Miriam and the Israelites cross the Red Sea. And Moses' song in, is recorded in Exodus 15, verses 1 through 2. And then Moses and the people of Israel sang the song of the Lord, saying, I will sing to the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously. The horse and the rider is thrown into the sea, and the Lord is my strength and my song, and he's become my salvation. This is my God, and I will praise him, and my Father's God, and I will exalt him. And Miriam picked up her tambourine, and the ladies were dancing. And Miriam sang in Exodus 15, 21, Sing to the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously. The horse and the rider he has thrown into sea. And the, all the Israelites were celebrating, for the Lord had done great things. Then three days later, Exodus 15, 22 to 24, then Moses made Israel set out from the Red Sea and they went into the wilderness of Shur. They went out three days into the wilderness and found no water. And when they came to Marah, they could not drink it because the, the water, uh, Marah was because it was bitter, excuse me. Therefore, it was named Marah and the people grumbled. 
What shall we drink? The people faced hardship. They had just been delivered. The, the God had parted the Red Sea, and they were partying and worshiping and singing. And in three days, they ended a problem, and their hearts fell. Two months later, Exodus 16, 2 through 3, the whole congregation of the people of Israel were humbled against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. And the people of Israel said to them, would we had just died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt? When we sat, remember they were slaves, we sat by meat pots and ate bread to the full for you have brought us out in this wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger. And the people looked at their circumstances and they, they rode this roller coaster. And when things were going good, certainly God was with them. When things were going bad, somehow God had rejected them. And they, and they grumble and they shake your, their fist at God and say, well, you're not listening to our prayers. But even in this, God was not like a, a killjoy destroying their joy in the midst of their faithfulness. But he was testing, on, testing them to wait upon the Lord. To wait and find their strength in him. So God asked in Exodus 16, 28, the Lord said to Moses, how long will you refuse to keep my commandments and my laws? Here's why. Their joy was not in your, their salvation, but in what God was doing for them at the moment. So in this conditional sense, when life got hard, they judged God by their circumstances, not by their salvation. So remember this passage. So we're going we're gonna to fast forward to the upper room. And this is in John chapter 16. And all the disciples are gathering together. And, and, and Jesus has his face turned to the cross and the ultimate suffering that was, which was uh, prophesied in Isaiah 53 is now coming uh, to fruition. And there Jesus is giving them direction. And he says this in John 16, 22. And I really want you to hear these words. So also you have sorrow now, but I will see you again, and your hearts will rejoice, and no one, no one can take the joy from you. Here's the truth for you. No one, no one can take the joy of the Lord from you. No one. You have to give it away. It's yours, abundantly. There's a, an ability for you to rejoice in every circumstances, in all situations, and you can rejoice. You have to give away the joy because you always have Christ, and it comes by his sovereign grace, and he has secured you in his love. And so in the midst of that love, when the world has fallen apart, nothing's changed. You have heaven before you. And so Jesus, before he started praying, finished with, John, what we see is John 16, and he says, in this world, you will have many tribulations. And in the Greek, the word tribulation is like a heavy weight pushing you down. But he says, take heart. In other words, have courage. He says, I have overcome. In other words, I already have victory. When COVID hit, everyone began to shut down. In fact, some of us would, would argue about what is the government going to do? Uh, they have shut down my workplace. I'm suffering. Uh, uh, how are you going to provide? But in these countries where we serve, there's no safety net. When, when COVID hit, it meant moms couldn't feed their kids. There are so many single moms with 
drunken deadbeat dads and no one taking care of the kids and they were trying to figure out what in the world could they do but what happened during those times is rather than shrinking into the darkness over 800 churches set, uh, stepped up and through the 800 churches they helped people with five and a half million meals and the gospel went out a hundred thousand times and people were coming to faith Michael, one of the graduates of the program that I was talking about, he's up there in a remote village where these people had nothing, no way to go forward. And they would have never asked him into their house if they weren't hungry, if there wasn't a pandemic. And because God brought the pandemic, there are massive doors for the gospel that are opening up among a people that would never want to hear the gospel otherwise. This is a family, believe it or not, this is the size of their house. It's a 10 by 10 adobe house in Azerbaijan. They have absolutely nothing. And at the risk, it's a 100% Muslim community. And the believers went into the community. And it was because of the pandemic, because of the poverty, God opened the doors for gospel to go forward. And, and Rostislav here is in the Jewish autonomous oblast in the in the far east of Russia, and he knew of 115 villages that have never heard of the hope of Jesus, and he's trying to reach all of them, and the pandemic opened these doors, and Vecheslav was out ministering, and I think I talked to the guys about him yesterday, and, and he was out ministering, and he, he had banged his, his uh, calf on something when he was out visiting all the houses. Well, he's a diabetic and it turned out to become an infection and the infection got terrible and he had to lose his leg. So in the middle of the pandemic, he's going to the hospital and they're actually removing his leg. And uh, he asked that he was not put completely under and he's laying there on the bed. He's, he's sharing the gospel with his doctors as they're removing his leg. And he wrote to me and he says, the most amazing thing happened. God removed my leg so that I could declare his greatness to the hospital staff. And when he was out afterwards, he said, this is an amazing hope and it fills me with joy. So we read on in Isaiah 55, 12, it goes on and says, not only will we be, uh, shall we go out in joy with the good news, but we're going to be led forth in peace, led forth, forth in peace. And this is a, a peace that is secured by God. We know that we are led, and this led forth in peace in, in, the, in the structure it is reading is, is, is read like an army that we will go forward, and the power of God will be with us, and He will not fail, and He will surround us in His peace. And you remember what I read in Isaiah 53, but he was, past tense, pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace, shalom. Uh, with his wounds, we are healed. It has been done. It is finished. Christ has paid it all. It is already accomplished. He will lead us forth in peace. And we have hope. And no matter what the world throws at us, we can have hope and peace and know that God has the prepared even a better life to come. And we can maneuver through all the hardship of life because we know it only gets better from here. Shalom in the Hebrew is this picture of completeness and welfare and soundness that none of the pieces are missing. Shalom is a, a beautiful word in the Hebrew that is this all-inclusive sense of peace. 
the shalom of God is powerful. And it's not just a Sunday school term where the kids say peace. I want to share with you a, a story. And I'm not sure Christy expected this, but our youngest daughter, Anna, had two miscarriages and a stillbirth. And uh, one of uh, the stillbirth's child name was, it was Caden. And I remember as Anna was in labor and she knew that her boy would never breathe his first breath. I remember being on my knees in the hallway with Christy and I was crying out to God, say, take my soul, take my life and give it to my grandson. I've had a full life and please just let my, my grandson live. And I was crying in the hallway asking for this. And she delivered him and I held him and still his life this body was there. But we had peace. Because I knew one day I would play with my grandson. I would get to hold him in my arms and I would see him again. And God gave his son to die a miserable death for my sins and yours. And so I know Heaven is secure and it's a sweet place. And I think my grandchildren are running up and down the mansions of glory and slamming doors and doing all kinds of things. And I, I hope God is patient and long-suffering with them. But I can't wait to play with them. And I know that I have this by God's grace so we can walk forward in peace. And I know I will see my dad again. Kevin will see his dad again. And heaven is a more beautiful place. So we don't look backwards. We look forwards because the best is yet to come and we can walk through it with peace and hope and joy because our God reigns. And you were preaching, Kevin, through Daniel and Daniel chapter 3 verses 16 to 18 talks about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And you remember those guys that like to dance in the fire. But what did they say to Nebuchadnezzar just before they just stoked the fire of the furnace seven times and they said, oh, Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. If this be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace and he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. But, but if not, be it known to you, O king, we will not serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. The peace of God was not dependent on the circumstances. It was the knowledge that God is greater than your circumstances and they would rather burn in a fiery hot uh, a furnace than to doubt or neglect the grace of God. And so you see people in Muslim countries. I took that last, I took that last picture in the door of a church as I was preaching in that church in Azerbaijan, knowing that the prayer calls were coming through uh, at the same time. It was in a Muslim land and these kids were in a dead village in the northern part of uh, Tajikistan, in the Fergana Valley, and they live in, in, in apartment buildings that have no running water and no electricity, and, and they live in absolute poverty. And in this case, they just wanted to hear, and I was teaching them about Daniel in the lion's den, and all the kids volunteered. We acted it out so that they could learn while they're playing it, and the kids all wanted to be the lions. Imagine that. So I had to find some kids that were going to be the wicked satraps. I don't want to be the satraps. 
And the kids ate them up and they, they heard a message that they had not heard before. Uh, they were in an entirely Muslim area, but they heard of the gospel of Jesus Christ that delivers them from their hardship and gave them hope. And then in another village, I was walking down a dusty road. This was about 25 miles uh, north of the border of Afghanistan. I came around the corner and these ladies were smiling. They were so happy. It was Sunday morning and they would worship and they invited me in through old rusty doors. And as you walked in, you see a golden kettle there. There was a little boy waiting there with a towel across his shoulder. And so every person that comes in, they pour warm water on your hands as uh, for clean hands. And it's a sign of being hospitable. And you remember some of the biblical teaching on that. And we walked in where the trellis was. It was about 110 degrees outside. And we walked in and we gathered together and we worshiped. Half the congregation stayed outside. There wasn't enough room. And so there were two services, sounds like here. And half was inside and they closed up the doors. Why? They wouldn't survive allowing the neighbors to hear that they were worshiping loudly that Jesus Christ is Lord, Savior, and God. And so there we worshiped for about two hours on our knees. And then one person that was in the background that you didn't see was probably on the left there. That's Ikram. Ikram used to be a jihadist and he used to sing prayers in, in, uh, in the mosque towers. And I met him and he says, my dream was to kill an American. And instead what we did was we stood side by side, him and Tajik, me in English, and we sang, how great thou art together. And all of the people you see in his church are Muslims who came to faith, who were following a religion where they were constantly following works, trying to prove themselves to God, trying to be righteousness, trying to be righteous, trying to do everything to please God and knowing they would never quite make it. And instead, now in Christ, they said, his grace is sufficient. And now they have peace. And they worship him in this peace. I love this bird. So go back to Isaiah 55. Because the third point that I want to give you, not only does true joy need to be experienced, and true joy leads us in peace, but true joy should be proclaimed and is proclaimed. We read in verse 12, For you shall go out in joy and be led forth in peace, and the mountains and the hills before you shall break forth in singing, and all the trees of the field shall clap their hands. And instead of the thorn shall come up the cypress, instead of the briar shall come up the myrtle, and it shall make a name for the Lord, an everlasting sign that shall not be cut off. This little bird sings. The bird will come back. This little bird sings because it doesn't know how to do anything other. This little bird didn't have to go to Avery Seminary. It didn't have to get trained how to sing. It comes from the, the fiber of its being. It, when we worship this morning, it should not because we're told what to do, that we sing because we've been told this is how we're supposed to sing. It should come from the, the bottom of our heart and it 
exude out of our lives that we have the joy and the peace of the Lord and the world needs to know that our God reigns and there is hope in him alone and no longer be driven along by the tide and the difficulties of this world, but proclaim that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life and no one comes to the Father except through him and that he is the hope that passes all understanding and we can know that and much like that robin, we need to cry out and here's what Here's what David cries out in 1 Chronicles 16, 31 to 34. Let the heavens be glad. Let the earth rejoice and let them say among the nation, the Lord reigns. Let the sea roar and all that fills it. Let the field exult and everything in it. Then the trees of the forest shall sing for joy before the Lord, for he comes to judge the earth and will give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His steadfast love endures forever. And when we have the joy of the Lord flowing from our body, we are living life on mission for the sake of the gospel. Missions is just not some career choice. Missions is the result of the joy flowing from our hearts. And whether or not you're in Tehachapi or you're on the other side of the world, when the gospel shines through your life, you are living life on mission. Yes, I traveled to other countries. Yes, it was minus 54 a few weeks ago when I was there. That is something that God has burdened my heart to do for his glory. And I can't do it without all of you. But please, don't think that this is the only place somewhere else where you are on mission. You are on mission daily in the workplace, in the store. Uh, Even here in the church, there are people today in the congregation who do not have a relationship with Jesus Christ. And I pray you will walk out the back doors this morning with hope and peace and knowing Jesus Christ. And it's not by all your works and it's not by your circumstances. It's only by grace through faith that you are saved. Think of, think of the Apostle Paul when he had great morning worship music in the inner cell in Philippi. They had played the drums on his back. He was suffering with Silas, and you see this in Acts chapter 16. And in his pain and in his agony, he was worshiping. And what happened? A church was planted because in the middle of his suffering, the peace and joy of the Lord was on his lips and on his heart. He was once a legalist and a a Pharisee, a Hebrew of Hebrews, and now he lived his life for the sake of the gospel. And we read in 1 Thessalonians 1, 6 through 8, the result He writes back to the Thessalonian believers and he's worried they may have uh, struggled with their faith. But he says, and you became imitators of us and of the Lord for you received the word in much affliction with the joy of the Holy Spirit. So that now he hears they have become an example to all the believers in Macedonia and Achaia for not only as the word of the Lord sounded forth, the word sounded forth in the Greek as a trumpet, The word of God is trumpeted from their lives. But your faith in God has gone out everywhere that we need not say anything. We want to run from affliction and suffering. And we want uh, medicine or we want a cure or we want a government policy change. We want our lives to be better. But my friends, the only sure peace and joy in your life is found in Jesus Christ. And if you are walking in Jesus Christ, rest in him. And most certainly tell your neighbor about him. Tell the people in the grocery store, because we don't know how much time we have. 
If you ever wanted to think this was a Matthew 24 time of our lives and the Lord could break through the clouds at any moment, it is these days. Now is when your family needs to know about Christ. Now is when your neighbor needs to know about Christ. Now is when the people of Tehachapi need to know about Christ. And the joy of the Lord becomes your mission. So as more hearts trust in the joy of the Lord, we see it propagated through our communities. And we see God exalted through it. Can you imagine living in the war zone? You hear in the news about troops gathering in the border of Russia. Along the, the, the war zone, Christy and I have been as close as a, 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 basically a kilometer from a Russian artillery battery. And we were there ministering to a church that close. They have all lost family to artillery, to, to a sniper fire. And now in Ukraine, the tension is there. It started in 2014. And now for seven years, they've suffered and suffered and suffered the destruction of their infrastructure. And they're in Adivka, where the windows are bricked up so the snipers won't shoot you while you are worshiping. In there, Christy and I were worshiping. And we handed out aid to people that had no food. There's no grocery store. There's no gas station. There's nothing. In fact, this church in Adivka, we went to a village nearby where there's only 38 people, where there used to be 2,000 people. And they are so excited to go to Russia or to, to, to worship that they, they walk through a minefield. And there's a path that they can walk through the minefield with mines on either side. And it takes them about six hours to get there, but they can't wait to worship on Sunday morning. The joy of the Lord is their mission. So in the middle of an apartment building that is completely blown out because Russian artillery is trying to shoot the windows out and destroy the inside of the building, a people gathered together and they walked up to me and we were providing compassion ministry and they said, don't hand us the groceries. They, they said, tell us this. They said, the government won't help us. The local leaders won't help us, but the church tells us helps us. So now can you tell us why you come to the other side of the world and love us when no one else will? And it was 10 below and they stopped and they wanted to hear about the gospel of Jesus Christ. And they wanted to hear about joy and peace in the middle of the suffering. I was recently there and I don't have the photo and I walked into a room where they're having a Bible study. And I walked in and I expected a uh, all these ladies, they have downcast faces. And they were all smiling. I said, I, I, I said, I don't mean to be rude, but why are you all smiling? And, and they said, are you kidding? Our lives were a mess. And now we found Christ. And yes, there's still shelling. Yes, there's still fighting. But we have hope. We have joy. These orphan kids who have only known destruction... Now no hope. And these kids were, looked like maybe my grandkids. And they were getting a manual child. They were getting Bibles and things. And this little guy, Roma, uh, suffered the most. And we took a start to him and ministered to him. And I want to tell you, how is it that an orphan child can have peace and joy when their family's been ripped away from it? It's because they've been given the family of God. And they know that God will never leave them or forsake them. And then when the world falls apart, they have hope. So I let you, I'm going to leave you with this. What does your float look like in the parade of life?
Are you showing the world what you believe? Or are you just talking about all the same worldly junk the rest of the world talks about? Here's my hope. First of all, thank you. Christy and I, thank you. Here, I'm going to give you another one. Christy and I, thank you. You've been with us for 20 years. It's been a, a long time. A lot of things have happened in 20 years. And I can tell you, Christy and I don't doubt our faith. We don't doubt our God. And I have seen people in absolute poverty, absolute tragedy, rejoice in the Lord. Let your float say, I love Christ. Let the, your life be noted by joy and peace in the middle of a world that has fallen apart. And may God be glorified in your church, uh, in my church, uh, River's Edge Bible Church, and in our lives. The Lord is coming soon. Let's pray. Precious Heavenly Father, we thank you for your amazing grace that you have poured lavishly upon us. Father, we are not with doubt and anxiety about how this will turn out. You have told us that you have given us a future beyond comprehension, a, a, a time where we can worship at your feet. There, are, there is no more tears and no more suffering, and we'll, uh, we will all worship by the light of your presence. And Father, what an amazing day it will be. But until then, Lord, while you have us on earth, oh, Father, empower us to be your witnesses of hope and peace and love and joy. Lord, let our eyes be set on you. May we be content in you and satisfied and much like the little birds you created that we would sing of your glory. And it's in your son's name that we pray. Amen.